The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. <laughs> thankful, thankful that we can sing of your goodness. We praise you for that. We praise you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we, we do love you. I pray that we would respond um, according to that love this day. In your name, amen. You may be seated. Ooh. And, ready? Okay, hey, let's um, start off just kind of thinking, this isn't like to condemn you, so I'm not looking for confession here, but just think with me for a minute of what you do that wastes a lot of time. Do you have anything in your life that's just a time waster? Like, again, this isn't like confess. I do that. Uh, I just mean, is there something like, you know, you get done, you think, Francis and I play this game of solitaire that our kids taught us. It's, it's a weird type of solitaire. You win like once every 40 times. That's not an exaggeration. But it's like every time. Now, she would say, I'm relaxing. I'm not wasting time. But, uh, but I think what happens is you play this game, and either you get a really lousy game. You think, oh, that only took a second, so I'll play one more. Or you get a game where you're really close to winning, and you think, next time I'm going to win. So I can waste a lot of time just trying again. In fact, I have a deck of cards in my office. Some afternoons, if you stop by church, I'm like, uh, having a good time. Think, what are we paying that man for? He's wasting time playing solitaire. But is there anything that, uh, you know, you have like that, that you kind of think, okay, this may not be the best use of our time. As we get into the end of 1 Peter here, uh, and we move into chapter 4, I really think, okay, Peter, his great theme that he's been talking about all along is you have new life in Jesus Christ. You are born again to walk in this new life. And then he's been talking about how to even share this new life with other people, that others would come to glorify God. And now, basically, he's somewhat summarizing things, and he's going to be like, get busy. So this TikTok up here, notice it does have a C in it. So this is not the social media outlet, which, going back to a waste of time. Uh, but, uh, but this is more saying, do you, do you, is that normal? You know, TikTok, like, get moving. I see that in, in a movie or something like that. Like, if uh, TikTok, come on. I would never say that to my wife if it was time to get ready. But that type of thing that somebody might do, you know, TikTok, uh, you know, there it goes. Does that, does that make sense? I think that's where, uh, that, that's how Peter's writing to us here. He's saying, okay, TikTok, are you uh, spending your life counting time or are you uh, making time count? Hey, hey, that was good. Are you counting time or are you making time count? Somebody write that down and put my name behind it. That was, that was pretty profound. Uh, by the way, I was looking up you know, different things about time wasting, and uh, I found out that uh, they say that the average person spends six months of their life sitting at stoplights. Yeah, and another two months behind people at roundabouts who don't know they're supposed to go. <laughs> I threw that last one in there, but I'm pretty sure that's there. They also say, and this isn't me at all, but they say the average person, I can't believe this, spends eight months of their lives reading junk mail. Uh, yeah, that's not me at all. I spend more time looking for the stuff I threw away that I should have kept. Uh, I, don't, I don't read it. It comes in, whether it's email or whether it's snail mail. It, it doesn't matter. I just throw it out pretty, pretty much right away. And then this last one I, I found is that you spend five years of your life, the average person spends five years of their life waiting in line. 
And if you go to Disney World, that doubles automatically. Uh, you, you get to spend uh, t- 10 years of your life waiting in line. But we are going to look, as we look at First uh, Peter chapter 4, we're going to look at the idea that we are called of God to be stewards of time. Okay, the first thing we'll kind of look at is my time, how I use my time. So verse number 1 says this, therefore, since therefore, I'm sorry. So that ties back into the end of chapter 3. You might remember at the end of chapter 3 we had some passages that were a little bit hard to, uh, could be a little bit confusing on first look. And I think this verse fits in there too. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same thinking. Think like him. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. I need to stop there just for a second, because if you take this out of the context of Scripture, is the idea that once you've gone through hard times, you are no longer going to sin, and wouldn't that be nice? But I want to tell you very plainly, the Bible overall teaches us that we are not going to live a sinless life here on this earth. The the one who says he is without sin, he is a liar. The truth is not in him, okay? We are still going to struggle with the flesh on this earth. I want to just make sure we say this. I I went to a Bible college that had a tendency to attract uh, weird people. I was the exception. Uh, But it did have a tendency to attract some some weird groups. We had a little group of of guys there that uh, started what they called the Sinless Club. And, like, they would walk down, and they'd say, like, yeah, how, how long have you gone? Oh, I've gone three days without sitting. I was like, I think you just sin. I'm not sure. Uh, but, but uh, you know, they were announcing how long they'd gone w- without sin. Well, listen, on this earth, we are not going to go without sin. I think this is more the idea that we could understand that going through hard times often becomes a turning point that moves us away from sin, for sure, where to think like he is in this and, and move away from sin. Uh, but we're not going to stop it. And then it says, so as to live the rest of our time in the flesh. What you have left on this earth, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So the apostle is writing here, and he is saying, you need to decide if you want to do what you want to do your whole life, or if you want to live for the will of God. We have a great tendency in our lives to ditch the God of the Bible and replace him with a God who fits what I want. Okay, am I going to follow his will? Am I going to go after him? Or am I going to do what I want? Let me finish up the first four verses here. For the time in past, uh, I'm sorry, in past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. I'm sorry, for the time that has passed, you already did this. Sorry, I killed that. Suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Okay, you've had enough time for that. With respect to this, They are surprised. The people look at you and say, well, you don't want to do this. You don't want to join us. That's kind of weird. Uh, And the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. So sometimes we get mocked a little bit because we don't want to plug into that. But what the Apostle uh, Peter is saying is, hey, we've had enough time for that. Let's live for God. Let's live for what's important. Okay, now I want to to stop and think about this whole idea of us being stewards over time for a couple minutes. Um, I try not to use... I. I think sports illustrations, I like sports illustrations, but I try not to use too many, believe it or not, because I know not everybody connects. So, hey, here's another sports illustration. Oh, would he shut up with the sports illustrations? However, today I'm going to violate that completely. I'm not only going to use a sports illustration, I'm going to talk about a sport that probably only one or two other people in here even care about. I like hockey. Anybody else like hockey? 
All right, there we go. We got a couple. Stanley Cup is starting this week. I'm pretty pumped. The Penguins play on Tuesday night. I'm ready. Uh, but, you know, hockey's a little bit of a different sport. If, you, if you've never watched it, for one thing, they are constantly subbing. Like, they don't wait for a timeout to sub. I looked up this morning. The average shift that a player is out on the ice is 47 seconds. So he's like, out there, coach, I've been out here almost a minute. Get me on the bed. Uh, you know, I guess I'm making fun of them, but they're skating up and down the ice, and they're changing all the time, and, and they're moving. The other thing that is, is kind of interesting is they have, in hockey, they have a penalty box. Now, in other sports, you get thrown out of a game, but your team can put somebody else in to replace you. Okay? I don't know if you remember this, Rob. You remember when the Redskins, the one guy died was at Sean Taylor, and they started the season by leaving his spot open? And whoever they were playing <laughs> didn't care. Uh, they just threw a touchdown pass to the guy that should have been covered by him. So it was, I thought it was kind of mean. But, uh, but in most sports, you get to sub in if somebody's out. Okay? Uh, you know, uh, foul, you can foul out in a basketball game, but they put somebody else in. In hockey, it's kind of weird. You go sit in the penalty box, and your team plays shorthanded. Okay? You play five on four, or it can even be five on three if you got two guys in the penalty box. Now, I was looking at that this week, and I found that in Europe, where hockey is very big, they don't call it the pe penalty box. You know what they call it? The sin bin. <laughs> okay? Yeah, you're in the sin bin uh, like that. But I thought, as we think about this whole idea of being in the penalty box, and while you're in there, you're hurting your team, you're hurting their efforts... I thought that's a pretty good picture of what happens when I'm busy playing around, chasing my own desires. I'm not living for God. It's going to hurt, if you say the team effort, it's going to hurt my marriage, my wife. It's going to hurt the other people in my life who count on me to be in the right place. I don't want to spend my time living in the sin bin. I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to dwell there. Uh, so, that's the first thing I want you to think about. You are either going to make time to battle sin, or it will take time from you. I want you to think about that idea. It's going to take time from me. And that, Peter wrote that very plainly. He says, the time for that is over. Okay? That's not where you want to go now. Now you want to follow God, do those things that are important. A second little phrase, though, as we think about this, I... I'm going to move from uh, hockey to uh, musicals, if some of you will know what the musical that's from. Uh, but the idea of one shot at, before I talk about this, I want to be careful because reading a couple weeks ago in our little devotional guide uh, about Samson, and there's a phrase about Samson that I absolutely love. It's, it's weird. You remember the story of Samson, and he had uh, taken the Nazarite vow, and as he broke those vows, he lost his strength. Uh, the last vow was, of course, having his hair cut. Uh, his, hair, his strength was not in his hair, but as he broke every vow, uh, he lost his strength and uh, you know, made a mess of everything like that. But there's a phrase that I love. It always catches my attention when I read it. It says, the hair on his head began to grow. After all that happened, the hair on his head began to grow. And I love just that idea that God says, I'm still going to use you. And I want to make sure I'm saying that very plainly. Our God is a God of second chances. Okay? So when I say one shot, I'm not saying, oh, you blew it. You're done. Get out of here. I'm not saying there's not forgiveness. I'm not saying God will not still use you. But I do want you just to think about life in general and the fact that there are many things for which you get one shot. Okay? I get one shot. Uh, at my kids being this age. I get one shot at my teenage years. I get one shot at my college years. I get one shot at my, you know, the early days of my marriage. I get one, one shot at the la latter days. I mean, I cannot go back. I cannot revisit them. So I think it is wise for us to just stop and say, again, I don't want to spend time in the sin bin. I don't want to waste my time over, over there. 
Um, and so often we get this idea that I'm going to live for God in the next stage of my life. I'm having a good time now, but when I get to this place, that's when I'm going to settle down. That's when I'm going to make a decision. That's when I'm going to live for God. And I think one of the things Peter's saying is, now's the time, folks. TikTok, time's leaving. You're going to get one shot here. You don't want to waste that. You have one chance when your son is six years old. You have one chance when your daughter's 13 years old. You have one chance to be grandma and grandpa when they're that age. You have one chance. You don't get to go back. So let's make it count. We had, uh, we, uh, Francis and I, the first probably 10 years of our marriage, we, we would chaperone a teen camp every summer. Uh, 10 years, so, something like that. And, uh, you know, teen camp is great because the kids are, first of all, they're, they're packed in for a week around the Word of God. They're away from outside influence. And so often, you know, the Lord uh, moves and works. But I, I remember uh, one year, last night of the camp, and uh, I'm going to say this a little mockery because it cracked me up, but though it was very, very sincere. There was a kid there, and he had come back. He was just about to go to college. He had graduated. And at the end of the week of camp, everybody's giving a little testimonies about what God had done in their life. And this kid stood up. I remember, his name is Jack Bachman. I, I still remember. He gets up and he goes, he starts crying. And he goes, wasted. Wasted. And he probably did that for two minutes. Just wasted, wasted, wasted. He said, I wasted my teenage years. I shouldn't be making fun of him, should I? But, uh, but we, we kind of played it back over and over again because I thought it was a little dramatic. Do you remember that? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, wasted, wasted, wasted. Uh, like the, but, and I'm not really trying to, hey, let's, let's do that at the end. How many of you have wasted this or wasted that? I'm not trying to get the guilt trip for what has happened, but I am trying, like Peter, to get our focus on where we are now and realize, hey, now's the time. Now's the time. We got one shot. We got one chance to be stewards of our time. Let's get going. Let's get busy about this. The second thing that we most definitely are is we are stewards of the gospel. Okay? Beginning of verse number 5 but they, talking about others outside, will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who were dead, those who have already passed away, that those that, though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Okay, wait a minute. So what he's saying here, very simply, is people are going to die. Okay? Death comes. People are going to die, but when they die, they can live. So that is why we preach the gospel. So the first point, Peter says, hey, wait a minute. This is like, this is for you. I need to be a steward of time. What are you going to, what am I doing with my time? How am I spending my time? The second thing I need to be aware of is their time. They have a limited time, a limited opportunity, perhaps, to hear the gospel. And if I could get you thinking of a particular uh, idea with that, I, I would challenge you to look back five years ago. And I, what I just want you to think about with me for a second is think about some people that were in your life five years ago that are not now. Okay? Whether they've just moved away, uh, whether they have changed jobs, but, uh, but, but they're not there anymore. There are people in your life right now with whom you rub shoulders that will not be around that long. And you have this chance to share with them the gospel because they will someday stand before God. You have this chance to tell them about Jesus. Okay? That is why, by the way, I try to make sure that each week I preach about the gospel in here part, as part of the message. Because, for one thing, I think we all need to hear the gospel over and over again. But if you're like, man, we know that. We don't need to hear it again. 
I do not want somebody to come and visit today and think to themselves, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to stop wasting time. And that's how I'll be a good boy and a good girl. And that's how I'm going to get to heaven is I'm going to stop wasting time. That's what the pastor said to do. I don't want anybody to get so wrapped up in that idea that they miss the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth. God's son sent to earth because he loved us. God so loved the world that he sent his son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God came and laid down his life and said, trust in me for forgiveness of sin. See, I've got to preach that message every week because I don't want you know, somebody to, to sit in here one day and think, oh, that church is all about uh, using your time wisely and working hard and everything like that. I don't want to miss that. The gospel is so important. I have to tell them because someday everybody that comes in here is going to stand before God. Okay? So... Peter writes and he says, hey, first thing, you got to understand this. Uh, you, you, you are responsible for your time, the time that you have individually. Secondly, please think about their time. The day is going to come when they are going to. Oh, by the way, one, one quick story on that. Uh, when I was in college, I worked two years in a steel mill for, as a summer job. And um, they, you know, okay, what are you, what are you going to school for? I'm going to be a pastor, you know. So uh, my nickname was The Preacher. And steel mill in Pittsburgh, whatever you visualize, it was worse. Uh, but uh, but they, uh, I think the guys used to, you know, the, play the game. Let's see if we can shock the preacher today. <laughs> Let's see if we can say the most outlandish thing and uh, embarrass him. They didn't know about my, how my mother talked. To, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, they, you know, they would, uh, you know, so they would, you know, they try to do that all the time. There was one guy there though that actually. Showed some kindness and respect for me. A guy by the name of Ralph Mealy. I still remember Ralph. Doesn't that sound like a Pittsburgh steel worker? Ralph Mealy. Uh, I can still see him carrying his lunchbox in. But, uh, but anyway, Ralph had been my friend for one summer. And, uh, you know, and he, he would talk to me in a way that the other guys really didn't. You know, we, we kind of bonded. And the next summer, the same thing. And I had determined that at the end of that year, the last week, I was going to make sure that I told Ralph about Jesus because I hadn't yet after two summers. And I was bound and determined that last week I was going to. And I'll always remember this because that last week I went in there and, and I looked for Ralph. And, oh, Ralph got moved to a different shift, different crew. I never saw Ralph again. Now, you know, I'm not wasted. Uh, but, you know, I look back at that. And I just want you to think through that. There are people in your life that need to hear that God loves them. They need to hear that Jesus Christ came and died on the, on the cross. And you say, well, yeah, but how are they going to respond? Let, let me ask you this. Does anybody look back at your life and regret telling somebody about Jesus? Honestly, I, I don't think we do. You know, I, I don't have anybody, man, I wish I hadn't talked to them about the Lord. Uh, never. Now, and maybe there are some situations, but I don't know what they are. But I do look back at situations that say, man, why didn't I talk to them about the Lord? Why didn't I talk to Ralph Maley? Why didn't I share with him? You know, that type of thing. So, so we look, first of all, I, don't wanna, I wanna be a good steward of my time. Secondly, I wanna be a good steward of the gospel. The third thing that Peter gets into here, we'll just say we need to be good stewards of grace. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, take this one step at a time because there's a few specific ways uh, that we can uh, be stewards of grace. So the end of times is at hand, okay? The end of times is at hand. Anybody excited about that? <laughs> yes, it's there. But understand, he wrote that a long time ago. The end of times is at hand. The next big event on God's calendar uh, is the, the end times that, that Jesus comes back, okay? It was then, it is now. That's the, that's the big thing. 
So, so he's saying, hey, the end of times is his hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober. Why? For the sake of your prayers. So let's take one of the ways, first of all, that we can be stewards of grace. One of the ways, very simply, is to make sure that we pray. Okay? I want to be... Just think about this with me here for a second. I, I never had a grandparent who came and said to me, hey, uh, I pray for you. Never, never had that. And I think that's awesome when you do. So I'm looking and I'm saying, I want to be that. Okay? I want all four of the grandkids to know, or however many we have in the future, to know that Grandpa prays for them. Okay? I want, I want them to know that. Uh, and we talked last week about the spiritual warfare and the fact that it's a, it's a reality. I mean, I, I want my kids to know I'm praying for them. I want uh, my church to know I'm praying for you. Because the battle is real. Okay? So, number one, pray. Uh, n- number one, if we're going to minister grace, if we are going to be stewards of grace, if we're going to share grace, we want... Oh, you know what? If we could do this too. You know, that, that's a good thought, Pastor. Yeah, hey man, I ought to pray more. <laughs> How many times have I thought that? Yeah, I ought to do that. I ought to pray more. Can I encourage you to do something very specific about it? And what I mean by that is just say, hey, today... I'm just going to write down the names of the people I want to pray for every day and put it somewhere where I am not going to forget it. We need those reminders, don't we? I mean, we should not, but we do. So maybe it's on the dashboard. Maybe it's on the mirror at home. Maybe it's beside the nightstand, wherever it is. And say, write down those names, these people I want to be praying for each day. I want to pray the Lord protect them and keep them and guide them. I want to be praying they'll grow to love God. I want to be praying they'll, know to, they'll grow to know God, uh, stuff like that. And who are these people I want to pray for? Can I encourage you to get started? Because prayer is one of those things, honestly. Well, what the pastor talk about? Oh, we ought to pray more. Amen. I ought to pray more. Well, we ought to pray more. We know that. Do something specific in that direction. Okay, to make sure. I mean, there are dads in here right now that you're thinking, yeah, yeah, you know, I love my, my boy, I love my girl, and, and, uh, but I am not, uh, you know, I'm not really praying for him. Well, start. <laughs> Write down a name, put it somewhere where each day you're doing it. Let, let's make it very specific. A second thing that Peter talks about, if you go to verse number eight, he says, above all, above all, he said, first of all, let's do these things so we can pray, then keep loving one another earnestly. Because love covers a multitude of sins. So the second thing, very simply, uh, if we're going to be stewards of grace, we're going to love. We're going to pray, and we're going to love. Now, specifically, he talks about love in the sense of love covering a multitude of sins or love being willing to forgive. Okay? Life is too short to spend our lives in bitterness, very simply. And if that, you know, it's just that that there's no other way to say that, you know, and there's something about realizing the shortness of life that makes you think, okay, I want to make this right. I want to make this relationship uh, right with somebody else. Well, understand this. There are several ways to heal a relationship. And to be honest with you, one of them is time. What I mean by that is, okay, let's say, for example, uh, Jim and I have a fight and he leaves the church and everything like that. But 30 years from now, 20 years from now, I decided to make it when I'm still alive. Uh, but uh, but uh, 30, uh, 20 years from now, we, we, we reconnect. And honestly, by that time, you probably forgot what we fought about or it wouldn't be a big deal. Or if you haven't, you got some real issues. But, uh, but uh, you know, eventually time kind of heals things. And you think, okay, you know, we can, we can get over this or whatever. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? You probably have some situations like that. Okay, now. There are a lot of different ways in which a relationship can be healed. Forgiveness is the fastest. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
So would you say with me right now, dear, dear Spirit of God, who do I need to forgive? Would you just pray that in your heart? Is there somebody, life's too short to go through life bitter at people. Well, I can't really get along with him. I just can't talk to him. I can't be in the same room with him. Well, maybe you don't have to be in the same room. Uh, but, uh, but if you spend your whole life, you know, if I, you know and listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. You know, sometimes Francis will say to me, sometimes it seems like you have to have one person you're upset with. And really, I mean, sometimes we're like that. It's kind of like I got to have some person that if you bring up that name, you set me up uh, like that, you know, because I can look at the, in the past. I think, man, I used to have some bitterness towards him, but that's healed. That's great. I used to have some bitterness towards her, but that's healed. That's great. But don't mention so-and-so. I'm still holding on to that one. Life's too short. Okay, love covers a multitude of sins, and forgiveness is the quickest way to heal that relationship. Let's go to the third verse here, or I'm sorry, the third idea here as we read a few verses at the end of our passage. Show hospitality then one to another without grumbling. <laughs> Not really going to hit that, but uh, good phrase. Uh, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's where I got the idea of being stewards of grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And that's not the end of the letter, but obviously the end of this section that he's talking about there. So we've got, we're going to be ministers, we're going to be stewards of God's grace uh, in the way that we handle it, and we're going to do so by praying. We're going to also do that by loving. A third thing that we do it by is by serving. When you look at that text, we are to serve other people. Now, God, stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm down here on the floor in, uh, for two reasons. One is my legs hurt me a little bit, and it's hard to get back up. Uh, but, but that's not the main reason. The main, uh, the main reason is I kind of just want to talk personally to you for a second and, and want you to believe, okay, I know sometimes people up front and pastors, anything like, like that, are manipulative, and they figure out a way to say things so they don't have to say it straight out. And I just kind of want to talk to you about this because I said this before, and this is true. You know, you know sometimes if, if you've been with my wife and I, I'll say something. People look at my wife like, is he telling the truth? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I know my wife would back me up on this. This is an area where I know that I fail as a pastor. The Bible says that my job, one of my jobs is to equip others for the work of the ministry. Okay? So in other words, it is not my job to do everything. And you say, well, self-serving, you're just trying to get Honestly, and this is part I want to say, I am not overworked. I'm not like, oh, if you guys don't help, I'm, um, I'm not going to make it. I have a weakness there in that if, you know, if there's a choice between calling up and asking for help or do it yourself, I do it myself. Okay, and it's not because I'm noble. It's because I'm, I, I miss this. I'm not, I'm not good at this. So I need your help because there would be a tendency around here, and there is some time, uh, to just allow you to keep coming and never plug in as far as service goes. And that's not healthy. Okay, it's, it's not it's not healthy. And I hope you understand my heart there it is not. Oh, I'm so tired. If you don't help me, I'm going to quit. Now I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. All right. Shake your head, babe, so people, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, I'm not lying. It, it's, it's, all, it's all true. John, you know me well enough. You've been around here. That's how it is. I mean, I have a tendency to do things I should ask somebody else to do. So I need some help. <laughs> Like preaching now. You should have had somebody else. Uh, okay. Um, so, so I need to tell you 
that I need your help in plugging in here. Now, I want to give you a little tool that might be helpful. Uh, this is actually, I found it in Purpose Driven Life, but I think it's several different places. You know, how do you figure out where you ought to serve? Okay, I, I love this little thing, but you analyze your shape. You look and you say, okay, what spiritual gifts has God given me? There's little surveys online you could take to figure that out, or, or you, um, I could come up with one for you, figuring out how God has gifted you. Your heart means that what you're passionate about. I love doing this. Is this something God could use? I love hockey. Now, is there any way God could, could use this? Uh, my abilities, obviously, with that for which I'm good at. My personality pl plays into that where I fit. The experiences God has given me in my life, all that. But you kind of analyze and with these things, and you kind of ask God, where would you have me to serve? Where would you have me to serve the body of Christ? And it may not be even within the walls of this building. In fact, hopefully we're all thinking outside the walls of, the, of this building. But, you know, there may be another ministry around town or something like that that you'd plug into or, or connect with. But I really do, I think part of my job is to say to you, we need to serve, okay? for your good, you know, not for my good, not to take, not to take. So I, so I encourage you to look at that and ask God to help us understand, you know, what, what our shape is there. And, uh, because bottom line is you can't kill time without hurting eternity. Hey, that's profound. Henry David Thoreau said that you can't kill time without hurting or injuring eternity. And, uh, I hope we could take a little time this, this morning and look at our management of time. Um, I would, you know, sometimes in preaching, I look out and I think, oh man, I wish so-and-so were here. Do you, you know what I mean? I think, oh, this is just for them because that's, that's my thinking. I think I have to convince everybody and change everybody. And, uh, and I'm reminded that uh, God has here who he would have to be here. And therefore, I want to say, hey, who, who or what, what is it that God has for you to look at as far as this goes today? Where should I be a better steward of my time? Where should I be more aware that other people have limited time to hear the gospel? Uh, where should I be a better servant of grace in praying for others, in loving others, and in serving others? And ask the Lord to do that. Now, we're also going to take time this morning and observe the Lord's Supper. And... I wanted to come back to something here for a second because here's, uh, especially if you're a guest, I want to explain real quickly in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to um, play a little music. Uh, we're going to play the song we, we played last month, which is uh, Thank You, Jesus. And folks are going to get up, and there's a basket up here with a little cracker that we use that represents the body of Christ. And then there's a cup that represents the blood of Christ, a little cup that has grape juice in it. And uh, some folks are going to come up and get that. And if you are our guest today, I want you to know that uh, the invitation to observe the Lord's Supper or to take communion is open to anybody who is trusting in the fact that Jesus Christ has shed his blood for, for us. Jesus Christ had his, came in the flesh and lived and his body was broken. If that's what you're trusting in for your relationship with God, I encourage you to come and with us take some time doing what Jesus told us to do, and that is remember. But I thought also if you would take a moment with me this morning and, and maybe whether you look at this cross here or you just think on the cross for a moment, for a few moments and meditate on this and realize that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. You know, when we talk about this sin bin thing, you know, hopefully, you know, my, my goal is never, hey, get people in here and see how guilty I can make them feel about things. 
you know, that, that's, not, that's not my job at all. That's, if God's Holy Spirit speaks to you, you know, that's, that's his work. But I do think that it would be wise for us just to take a moment and think, you know, consider our time and consider, hey, I'm in the penalty box over here, so to speak, in that I'm not having an impact on people's lives because I'm messing around with sin. And as we go to get ready to take communion, it is a perfect time to get out of the sin bin and just say, God, I want to ask your forgiveness for this. I need this sin. Uh, I, I need forgiveness, and I, I want your power, the power of this in the blood to, to get this out of my life. I, I, want, I want victory over, over this. It helps me to take the Lord's Supper seriously by taking a moment and realizing that on the cross, Jesus bore my sin, okay? This isn't just a ritual, you know, okay, I want to tell you, I don't mean to take anything away from this, these are mini saltine crackers, okay? Uh, they, I get excited when they have the mini ones, so we don't have to, have to break, break them up, but I don't know what I'm saying is, just in and of this, taking this is not, oh, that changed my life, okay? Um, Taking a little sip of, of grape juice. Oh, that changed my life. There's something powerful in that. There is something powerful in what we're supposed to do. We're following the Lord's example, and we're remembering that his body bore our sin. It was broken. He died for us. His life was spilled out in his blood for us. And I really want to encourage you as we do this just to stop and think. It is because of not the sin of the world, yes, the sin of the world, but it is because of my sin that God sent his son to die on the cross. As we do that, I pray that you'll be able to reflect on that and remember that to, together. Beautiful song they're going to play. So if you if you go back to your seat and you're holding on to your cracker and your juice and you're waiting for us to take it, listen to the words a little bit just as she expresses, thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. Father, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do something that is really outside of my scope of what I can do. I want to make this occasion holier. I, I don't know how to say that, Lord. I'm, you know, I'm trying to, uh, Lord, it, it will be powerful when we do what you wanted us to do when you first said this. As often as we do this, do it in remembrance of you. And, uh, Lord, would you draw our attention to that? Would you draw our attention to the wounds? Would you draw our attention to the cross? Would you draw our attention to the fact that it was for us? And, Father, I pray for each one in here that the next few minutes would indeed be a special time of communion between them and you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If, you're un if you'd rather for any reason uh, just witness and just watch what's going on, that's fine. But for those of you who'd like to participate where, as we play some music, you'll see folks get up and start to take the cracker and the juice. So. Father, allow us to pray again. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that not only is death sting canceled, but death is canceled, that, that life never ends in you. Thank you, Jesus, for a God that loved us so much that he was willing to take our sin on himself, bear, the, bear a penalty that should have been ours, that we rightfully deserved. Father, 
would you help us through this, even even just through the, the last few moments, would you help us to hate sin and put our Savior on the cross? Would you help us to hate it so much as we look at the way it can steal parts of our lives and opportunities that we have? Father, would you help us to seek forgiveness and power over that sin? And maybe even the help of some brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, would you get us ready for battle, that we would battle this sin so that it, Lord, I was thinking we, we sing about, say, you know, just fear being a liar and fear um, you know, being a thief that steals so much from us. But we also know that sin does the exact same thing. It steals from us. God, help us to hate it. Help, help us to hate it. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.